Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Mike Abadir. Today is Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I'm having some serious technical issues with my technology here. Sometimes technology can be so cumbersome when it's supposed to make your life easy. But right now, it has given me a very hard time. So my timing is a little bit off. That's what's happening here, folks. So bear with me as I try to get things straightened out. Anyways, got a great show for you today. Lots of NFL talk. We're going to be talking to insiders from around the league, three teams in particular, as we do some of our camp previews today. We are going to be talking with Greg Amon from the Athletic NFL. He covers the Buccaneers. He's been one on with us over the years many times. We're also going to be talking to a first-time guest, Joseph Pasteras of Pasteras Sports. You may have seen him on NBC or Pro Football Talk, ESPN Radio. He covers the New England Patriots. And then another guest that we've had on many times, Arif Hassan of the Athletic Minnesota. He covers the Minnesota Vikings and all things Minnesota. So we're going to have a great show today. I'm really looking forward to it. Excited for the next hour here. We'll be talking training camp. We'll be talking starting jobs, predictions, so on and so forth. So. Should be a lot of fun. Buckle up because it should be a fun ride today. So the the teams that we're talking to, the Buccaneers, well, the insiders from the the teams, uh, the Buccaneers, the Vikings, and the Patriots, two out of these three teams have been in the Super Bowl pretty regularly, and one wishes that they have, which is the Minnesota Vikings, of course, but the Buccaneers, we're going to be focusing on what it's going to take to get back to the Super Bowl. A lot of changes in Tampa land, and Greg is going to fill us in on uh, on some of those changes and and uh, what are some of the newsworthy storylines from around Tampa camp. So I'm looking forward to that because Tampa is an intriguing team, and it's an intriguing division. You know, we haven't done our NFL preview show yet. We'll save our predictions for that. You know, I always wait till the last second to find out about that last-minute injury or maybe a camp battle, jobs that are being won, so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, we'll do our camp or our season predictions and Super Bowl prediction show um, in a couple of weeks here, re- pretty much on the eve of opening night, um, the same night as opening night, to be honest with you, leading up to Thursday Night Football. That's when we'll give you our Super Bowl picks and our uh, playoff teams and and maybe MVP picks and Rookie of the Year and all that kind of stuff. But the division that Tampa's in, in the NFC South, is interesting because you have the Falcons, who are obviously in rebuild mode. mode. Uh, They've parted ways with their longtime quarterback. He's really been the anchor for their franchise in Matt Ryan for a long time. He's, um, we'll be talking about him when we cover the Indianapolis Colts. Um, 
the Panthers were kind of a trendy pick last year. If you remember going into the season, a lot of people were talking about the Panthers and their defense and their offense. And the year before, they'd kind of finished on a, on a nice little push. Um, and then, you know, what's kind of been forgotten about a little bit this year going into this season is the Saints. And we obviously cover the Saints a lot. I've got some insight into the New Orleans Saints, got a client with the Saints. So we'll be uh, talking about the Saints uh, uh, in, in great depth. Uh, I think they may be somewhat forgotten about in this division. But the reason I bring them up is because the Bucks are obviously the heavy favorites. They're, they're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But what if, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out with their head coach, you know, uh, Todd Bowles? You know, he's had a, a shot at this before, obviously with a very inferior team. You know, I don't think he's ever been the head coach for a team that's been lo- this loaded with talent. Um, but, hey, anytime that there's change um, and, and there's some change in personnel, obviously some very key people, and we'll talk to Greg about that. Um, but, you know, if the Bucks don't win it, then – it's kind of up for grabs, isn't it? You know, we'll, we'll see kind of who, who else can um, kind of steal this division for them. Like I said, I think it's got to be the Saints if it's going to be anybody, unless we see that rise from the Panthers that people expected the year before. And sometimes that happens. If you look historically, the NFL, sometimes you'll see where a team that was supposed to do well and, you know, in the upcoming year, they don't, everybody forgets about them, and then they come back the following year and they do what everybody thought that they'd do the prior year. So I wouldn't necessarily give up on those predictions if you were one of those that were in the Panthers camp, so to speak, going into last year. Um, you know, then you're going to probably look at it and, and figure out is Baker Mayfield your guy and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll, we'll get more into that. Um, Quick baseball note. How about the Yankees fall in a big way? Now, they've kind of redeemed themselves a little bit by winning three in a row. But they have had the worst 16. They had the worst 16-game stretch in the 2000s, if you could believe that. The worst stretch of baseball that they've played in uh, this millennium. So, uh you know, the uh, Yankee land, hopefully we'll save a little bit of time to talk about the uh, Yankees um, and what they've done as of late. Now, they redeemed themselves a little bit. They came back and won the last game against the uh, Blue Jays, and they did not end up getting swept in four by them, which would have been absolutely disastrous. Um, and then they played really good baseball against the New York Mets, their crosstown rival. So I think that kind of quieted things down a little bit. I'm not necessarily convinced that in a uh, three-game stretch they've corrected all the wrongs. But I think if you're in Yankee land, you're a little bit worried. I think unless you're a Dodger fan, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of these teams have concerns. Even the New York Mets. Yeah, I kind of been disappointed. I thought that they were going to hand it to their crosstown rival while they were down. And, and they, they did the opposite. They kind of laid flat, and, and, uh, and their offenses didn't show up. So that was a little bit dis- pardon me, a little, little bit disappointing. Hugely disappointed for my beloved Boston Red Sox. Um, they've, they've really, really been, uh, uh, you know, a, a big disappointment 
in the last couple of weeks, and uh, they're done. So have that funeral. Red Sox are toast. They're done for the year. Hate to say it. Uh, you could also bury the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, I haven't had the official funerals yet, uh, like I usually do in, the, in around mid-year for teams that are done. Uh, I single-handedly resurrected the Atlanta Braves last year, by the way, after Acuna. I kind of I held their funeral, and they came back and ended up winning the World Series. So sometimes you see that those that get buried rise from the dead. doesn't happen often, but every once in a while, uh, when it looks most bleak, that's kind of when you see what teams are made of. Uh, interestingly enough. So, um, anyway, we'll talk a little bit of baseball if we've got some time towards the end of the show. But, uh, you know, one of the things in going through the NFL team by team, like I do when I'm preparing for the show and when I'm doing season previews and that type of thing, is you see what the difference is between last year and this year. You know, why would we expect a different result this year from the year prior? Uh, and so one thing that I've seen a lot of, and for your fantasy football players who are still procrastinating on doing your your homework, um, is that there's a lot of change this year. A, there, are, there are a lot of teams that have new personnel. more than I've seen in, in, in previous years at key positions. So that's one thing to kind of look out for, you know, when you're about to maybe draft your favorite quarterback or something, take a look. Does he still have his targets? Does he still have his tight ends? Does he still have his receivers? What about the running backs? What about the O-line? Um, because, like I said, there's been a lot of change. Now, some guys, like take Aaron Rodgers as an example, doesn't matter who's running routes, it seems like he's going to find them. He's such a precision passer. It's unbelievable. But other guys, yeah, you're going to have to downgrade them a little bit. When you're looking at how do I assess, let's say, Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be really interesting, right? He lost Cheetah. Now, he still has got Kelsey. Um, and then they brought in Juju. But we're going to see what Patrick Mahomes is made of this year. You know, what kind of quarterback really is he? Is he more like Aaron Rodgers? Or is he more like, you know, Derek Carr? Who sometimes has had targets, sometimes he, he hasn't. Well, now he's got Aaron Rodgers' target. So we're going to see, is Derek Carr more like Derek Carr or more like Aaron Rodgers? So a lot of fascinating kind of uh, uh, storylines this year just based on a lot of the change in personnel for a lot of these teams. And to me, that's what makes this season more intriguing than many of the others that are really than any other in recent memory. Um, and, I, and I feel the excitement out there. I'm sure you guys do too. Excitement for fantasy football, excitement for opening day, excitement for just how this – how the league is going to shape out overall. Um, fortunately, every team is 0-0. No team is out of it right now. So this is the most promising time of year. And in the NFL, things things can change very, very quickly. You know, especially if you think about it this way, too. You have these divisions of four. 
really you only have three other teams to beat out. You know, and a team that's a favorite that has an injury, and all of a sudden they're no longer the favorite. Sometimes teams crumble based on an injury or two. So that's one of the things that I'm looking at here is uh, depth. What are the depth of some of these rosters? And uh, and we're seeing that there are some teams that have done a really good job, like the Dolphins. I know it sounds like I'm a Dolphins homer. I've brought them up kind of a lot lately. But I like that they've got Teddy Ballgame, Teddy Bridgewater. They've got depth at wide receiver. They can make a quarterback change. They can withstand an injury or two at the receiver position. Uh, so it's one of those things where we're looking for, for, for depth at key positions because, let's face it, NFL the last few years, we've seen that some positions get really thin. Think running back last year, extremely thin. So, those are uh, just a couple of the things that I'm kind of uh, uh, looking at here uh, as we await our guests to come on board. So, you know, let's take a early, actually it's not early, it's 420. Let's take a quick commercial timeout right now. And we'll come back and get the conversations going. Like I said, bear with me guys, because I am uh, operating a little bit differently than I normally am technology wise here. My technology is failing me folks having a tough time here. So let's take a quick commercial timeout right now and we'll come back and we'll uh, roll up our sleeves and, and get to it. So stay with us, everyone. We will be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. 
or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadeerShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back to the Mike Abadir Show. Of course, this is your host, Mike Abadir. We are efforting to have Greg Amen from the Athletic NFL. He'll be joining us any moment here, and uh, we'll be talking to you about all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. Okay, so where did we leave off? We left off talking about Team Depth, and Depth being the key to a lot of teams' success. Last year, we saw how it got really thin at the running back position all around the league. Uh, You know, one team, like we've told you, that we're going to be talking about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So why don't we get to that right now? Because we've got my man, Greg Amon, on the line with us. He covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as you all know, if you've listened to the show over the years. He does a fantastic bang-up job for the athletic. Greg, good evening for you, my friend. How are you? Hey, doing well. Sorry for the uh, delay here getting on with you, but happy to be on and hope you're doing well. No worries whatsoever. It's one of those days. I'm having some major technology issues <laughs> with uh, the connections here, so it's actually uh, a kind of a perfect timing for you to come on. So hope all is well with you. Let's get right to it. Um, there are some changes in, in, in Tampa land, and before getting kind of to your predictions and stuff, just wanted to get a sense from you as to what the camp atmosphere is like. We'll talk about Brady in a second, but how how, are, how different are things between Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and the way that they run training camp? What are some of the things not you've really of, noticed? Yeah, not, not a whole lot different, to be honest with you. There's probably more uh, good on good, more... Um, you know, the the ones against the ones and stuff like that. Um, but no, about the same pace to practice. Um, you know, this is very much the same personnel in charge. You know, I mean, Bruce is still here wandering around on a golf cart to practice. Todd is still running the defense. Byron Leftwich is, is still calling the offense. So to that extent, there's run really not a whole lot of change. The biggest changes will be built around personnel, just not having Gronkowski, adding Russell Gage and Julio Jones, where now your depth is really, really strong at receiver. So you'd expect more three receiver sets and less double tight end looks and things like that. Defensively, I think they're going to be healthy, better than they were last year. Um, they'll still be really stout up front. So no, I mean, I think there, there's going to be changes to the personality of, of this team as an extension of the head coach, but I don't know if we can kind of fully appreciate those yet okay well speaking of personality somebody that we've maybe seen a little bit more personality from than uh than uh, as far as i can remember i can't remember seeing tom brady on as many commercials uh as i have in in the last few months here is is this something where is he setting up something after football uh, or is this just one of those, like, I was kind of trying to figure it out. Like, you know, a lot of guys, it's just not in their personality. I've represented players, Greg, that they're just not interested in that kind of visibility. Uh, but usually you kind of know that from the get-go. They're not big on maybe even doing radio interviews. And, they don't, you know, they want to make some side revenue, but it's not necessarily a top priority of theirs. Well, just your gut instinct, unless you've, unless he's been asked the question, 
why, why are we seeing more of Tom Brady on a commercial sense? Any idea about that? See, I mean, I think he's definitely loosened up a bit. Um, I, I think, you know, in two years in Tampa, you know, you see him definitely sillier on social media, um, building the brand that way. I mean, I think you, you had TV 12, you know, when he was in New England, but I think he's definitely built out on that. Uh, I mean, you saw Subway last year. You're seeing more NFT promotions for him. Autograph is now a big thing. He's got the Brady brand in addition to the TV 12. So, I mean, he's definitely out there in a way he wasn't before. Um, you know, I think some yeah, of the fans like that he's last night, by the way, too. Hurts, right. No, Hurts is too. Yeah, he added Hurts last year. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it, it's a little more Peyton Manning than it is what we used to think of Tom Brady as being. Um, yep. But, you know, I think he's picking and choosing what, what brand he's representing. I think more than anything, he's, he's kind of building his own stuff. There's a TB12 here in Tampa. Um, you know, I think he's definitely getting out there with some of the crypto stuff and NFT stuff and stuff like that that he's backed to put his name out there with other things like that. But no, I think he's definitely, um, like I said, just kind of loosened up in terms of personality and how he conveys himself online and, and those kind of things. Well, you know, you know what, what I'm setting up <laughs> for here <laughs> is, is did you ever, I never, didn't even think it would ever be a possibility when he was on New England. Okay, if you were covering the Patriots, I don't think it was ever even a, a thought that Greg Amon would be reaching out to a certain program on Fox <laughs> to see if there's any possibility that Tom Brady. Tell, tell us about that a little bit for the listeners that are uh, uh, unsure about what I'm talking about here. Yeah, so, you know, Brady, Brady gets this personal leave from the team where he's gone for 10, 11 days, and I think. You know, people just kind of get bored in the awkward waiting for finding out what it is. And, you know, we've kind of done some initial digging and really had every sense that we weren't going to find out what he was doing. Um, and just to kind of fill that void, there's just people coming up with every theory in the world. He's got a movie that comes out uh, next year called 80 for Brady with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and Rita Moreno. And there's people that think he's doing reshoots on that. And, and then this guy on Reddit's like, you know, uh, you know, Brady just signed this $300 million deal with Fox and Fox has the mass singer and AB and Gronk did the mass singer. And I think they're taping it right now. You know, it'd be one of those things where he couldn't tell you where he's going if Brady was doing the mass singer right now. And then it, it got picked up on videos on Twitter and that was kind of fine, but annoying. And then everybody starts picking up on it. National outlets are picking up on Dan Patrick's talking about it. and Everybody and their brothers are asking about it. And it's annoying in that, you know, Brady came out of retirement for this team. So even beyond just the Tom Brady takes every day of practice and every snap of practice very seriously, um, you know, he came back for this team. So the idea that he would be doing anything commercial or a side gig or, you know, even something with Fox where he had a $300 million contract, you know, that, that was a contract that they were willing to put on hold for as long as he wants to keep playing. They'll just take him as a broadcaster when he's done. And yet they would have you believe that he's like, yeah, but I will commit to leave my team in the middle of training camp to go sing in a costume on reality TV. Um, but again, like you said, it, it kept coming up and everybody and their brothers blogging about it and aggregating it. So I reached out and, I mean, Fox has PR flax for – for Mass Singer, so I just sent him an email. I'm like, hey, I know, I know you're getting 
you know, stupid publicity off of just the possibility that Tom Brady's on your show. Is there any way you can just shoot this down for me and kind of put this to bed? Um, and of course, again, it, it's a show that's built on anonymity and, you know, what big celebrity might be there. And it's like a lesser Baldwin brother most of the time. Um, so yeah, I reached out and, and it got silly enough where, um, I posted the email that I sent just to show you guys like, Hey, we're, we're trying to do our due diligence, even on the absolute stupidest possibilities for what Brady's doing in his time here. <laughs> well, I they didn't get back. You know, I, well, here's the thing. I think there's, because I assume that that's filmed in Los Angeles. I don't know that for sure. It's not a show that I'm interested in or watch or anything like that. Right, I know that. I know that like TMZ has like you know quote unquote like paid scouts at LAX and the and the local airports that anybody that's coming or going you know right. I think Tom Brady could probably find a way to remain anonymous a little bit but uh, right. and that's, that, that's honestly kind of a, what, what made the most sense yeah what made the most sense is that he's on an exotic beach with his family somewhere and no one sees him because he's got the island to himself honestly I mean if he were yeah like you said he's touring around LA and and eating out for a week we'd know about it the night he gets there, you know? Yeah, exactly. So obviously this is kind of a, a fun, lighter part of the conversation, but uh, more realistically, I had a friend that asked me what I thought. And I told him, I think this is more of a Brett Favre, Roger Clemens. You know, if you remember, Clemens wouldn't even report until like May. Um Brett Favre would drag on the decisions, as we all know, back uh, when he was, you know, um, Viking Jet days. Um, the only difference is I kind of thought that Brady maybe would want to let the team know, hey, I'm committed for this year, um, and not do one of those, I don't know yet, I'm still making up my mind. But I guess the analogy I'm making is I think this was more of a, you know, I'm a whatever, 22, 23-year vet, I don't need to go through all of training camp type thing, more than – then that there was like an emergency that came up or that he's disinterested or anything like that. Maybe more body preservation. You think my theories are kind of more in tune with reality than the mass singer? It could be it's definitely better than the mass. There's so much that's better than mass singer. So don't worry about that. I think uh, <laughs> that that's part of it, but I mean, Brady, you know, Brady, he loves this time of year. This is, I mean, as, as grueling as this is as thankless as, the grind of practicing in 85 degree heat in Tampa every day. I, I think that's a big thing of what he likes in terms of building a team. So it, it makes more sense to me. And this is just theory here that in him negotiating, coming back at home that he would say, look, I'll, I'll come back, but look, we'll, we'll take time in the middle of camp. Okay. We'll take time in August uh, before the kids get going with school. We'll have, family time in the middle of that. I, I'm not going to play in the preseason in the first two games. I don't need to be there every day. Um, I think him taking a step back for family would make a ton more sense than anything, uh, definitely anything commercial, but anything even from a self-preservation. He, he takes remarkably good care of himself. So um, they give him a Veterans Day kind of when he needs it once a week in camp as it is. So I don't, I don't know if it's that. It could be. Um, like you said, that, that makes a lot more sense than many of the things I've been asked to uh, respond to already here in the last couple of weeks. Sure, no doubt about that. Okay, we're we're kind of up against the clock, so I'm going to rapid fire you with a couple of things yeah. really quickly before we let you go. Uh, any truth to the report that Fournette 
showed up at 260? No, that was kind of a June thing. I mean, he, he said he was 240-something in minicamps first week of June. Uh, he showed up fine. He looks fine. He'll be very much a $7 million a year running back that they'll count on. I think Rashad White, their rookie, is really good, and we'll chip into that. But, no, Lenny looks fine. I think that was a, a summer storyline, and I think he probably lets his weight go more than he'd like to, but he gets himself back in shape. He, he really has looked the part. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually I – I should have said this. I'm actually reading – uh, through some of the questions that uh, Tampa fans have sent mm-hmm. me. Um, I sure. haven't done the due diligence on them yet. Uh, big Pac-12 fan <laughs> asking about the uh, Pac-12 rookies. You already mentioned one of them, which is the running back, White. And then there's the uh, tight end from Washington. Uh, how are the Pac-12 yeah, guys Kate You said White's looking pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, Rashad White absolutely looks great. I mean, a very natural runner, going to be a good pass catcher. Um I think, again, maybe at, at the expense of, you know, Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think he'll be the strong number two back for them. Um, Kate Auten, they like a lot. They didn't get him to really didn't get to see him until training camp because he had an ankle that bothered him from last year. Uh, but they like him a lot, too. Just a natural tight end. Um, can do a little bit of everything. Is going to get stronger. Well, he'll be a better blocker, but is a good pass-catching tight end. Uh, they've got Kyle Rudolph, Cam Brate, and Kate Otten as their top three. At tight end, um, obviously none of them are Gronk, but I think especially in the red zone, those are guys that, that Tom Brady will trust. O-line and injuries, any updates? Yeah, I mean, it's just really one that's a huge consequence. I mean, Ryan Jensen, to lose him on the second day at camp is, is a major loss. That's a Pro Bowl center. That's a $13 million center. Um, I think if he came back at all, it would be late, late, like January at the end of the playoffs, where you, you'd wonder if they'd even want to kind of change horses in the middle of a race like that. Uh, they lost Aaron Stinney, who, you know, in theory could have been their starting left guard. But realistically, they took a guy named Luke Gedicke in the second round out of Central Michigan that they really like. Uh, he'll be their starter at left guard. They'll be really young in the middle. Um, all three interior positions are new. Shaq Mason's a, a really solid run-blocking guard, a right guard. Um, but I mean, their their left guard is going to be a rookie, and their their center is going to be a guy that played 31 snaps last year. So they're very young in the middle. Um, this was probably the best offensive line in football last year in terms of giving up the fewest sacks in the NFL. I don't know if that'll be the case again. I think they can take a step back, but I think they'll still take care of Brady. I don't think it'll be a the liability that some people worry it'll be. Okay, and lastly, uh, Falcons are in a rebuild. They uh, you know they they move. They move away from uh, their, their franchise quarterback, Matt Ryan. Panthers were kind of a trendy pick a little bit last year um, and, and didn't, didn't do what people kind of had, uh, had predicted them to do. Um, is this basically a two-horse race, race with the Saints defense if, uh, if Jameis Winston can, can uh, really show that he's uh, more of a 30-touchdown passer from the Tampa days and not the 30-INT guy? Is this a two-horse race? Because uh, I, I hate handing the division to somebody before the year starts. It kind of looks like that for the Bucks. I think the Saints can kind of give them a run for their money, though. How do you see this division shaping out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still the Bucks' division to win. Um, I mean, the, the Saints have, have had their number. They've swept them, you know, each of the last three years in the regular season. Bucks were lucky enough to beat them in the playoffs in 2020, I should say, but I still feel like this is, yeah, it's a two-team race, and, and, and right now you feel like the Bucks are about two games better than the Saints. I think the Saints can be a playoff team. Um, I think Carolina is better with Mayfield. If McCaffrey is back to 18-19 McCaffrey, 
they can be a lot better. I don't think Atlanta is going to be a factor at all. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they go away from Mariota and go to Ritter at some point. Um, they don't have the offensive personnel beyond Pitts to really scare anybody. Um, so no, I think I think you know right now you think about the Bucks as being the team to be. Tampa Bay has never won back to back division titles in their history, so to do that would be huge. And obviously they're thinking more in line of of what can they do with seeding. Do they have to go to Green Bay? Do they have to go to Los Angeles in the playoffs? Or, or can it come through Tampa? Um, that That's kind of where things stand, I think. Greg, as always, love having you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you could uh, let the listeners know how they could follow you on social media. Yeah, just uh, at my name, Greg Allman, G-R-E-G-A-U-M-A-N, everything I write at uh, theathletic.com. You, you should, if you're not a subscriber, you should be able to get on board for, uh, I think, as little as a dollar a month right now, which is a great deal. So thanks again for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. I'm a subscriber. I love it. Highly recommend it. Greg, as always, thank you so much. Good luck for a fun uh, season to cover the, the Buccaneers, and uh, hopefully we'll bring you on uh, a little bit later on down the road when there's some exciting storylines or a big winning streak. All right, we'll do it again. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, Greg. That is Greg Almond from The Athletic NFL, covers Tampa Bay Buccaneers, does a great job, and as he said, The Athletic is always a great, great subscription to have if you want to get details about your team or any other team. We're going to take a really quick commercial timeout. We're kind of running behind schedule here a little bit, but we're going to bring in Arif Hassan, who's been kind enough to remain holding, uh, and then we'll talk some Minnesota Vikings football right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show for the final segment, and we're going to get right to our next guest, Minnesota Vikings insider. If you guys listen to the show over the last few years, we've had him on each and every season because he brings it better than anybody else regarding all things Minnesota Vikings. Talking about Arif Hassan. Arif, 
Good afternoon. Good evening for you. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. I want to uh, start off by just asking, you know, anytime you have a regime change, you know, from the very top uh, general manager, head coach, et cetera, just wanted to get your take on how the atmosphere is like. What are the differences? Are the players liking uh, kind of, you know, the, the shift in, in uh, the, the, the captain at the top, so to speak, and, and how camp is run and things of that nature? What are some of your observations? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, you ask any reporter of any team that has a new head coach, they'll always tell you that the atmosphere has changed, that players are energized, that they're looking forward to kind of what the shift in the feeling of the team is like and how things are run and all of the new kind of things that they work on together and how kind of new school and old school are blending together. I think you hear that from everybody. But I think in this case, you know, um, there is a genuine enthusiasm from the players because I think, you know, part of it is that Kevin O'Connell has had, you know, such experience in a lot of offenses that have been successful around the league, you know, notably the two Super Bowl participants. And then also, you know, he's been a player, you know, he's a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and also, you know, he, he's a little bit younger and so he can kind of relate more to, to what players are looking for. And there have already been changes in terms of, you know, workload management, in terms of how they're conducting practices, what the schedule of those practices are, how to adapt to things like the preseason. And I think those are being received pretty positively so even though you can say this about basically any coach entering the league you know how positive it is i think that there is something there for the for the vikings and kevin o'connell yeah absolutely you know i was doing a little bit of research on him obviously uh being out of la here got familiar with him a little bit uh i had actually done a little bit of scouting on him as a, as a as a player back in the day from an asian perspective uh but i i, <laughs> I got some refreshers I did find, and this is a good trivia question for you guys out there, who had the highest score on the Wonderlick in the 2008 NFL Scouting Combine? It is your Minnesota Vikings head coach. Uh, he scored the highest on, on the Wonderlick. And I also found out that his, his father is an FBI agent, by the way. But uh, do you think he, one of the reasons uh, that he was a hire is because of the offensive talent that they've got here and, and how do we maximize these pieces and take advantage while they're still kind of in their, their you know, prime or peaking seasons. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that that was a big part of the equation. Obviously, they, they had to like a number of other things about him in order to hire him, and they were looking um, at, you know, defensive people um, as, as potential head coach candidates, too. So it wasn't dispositive. It wasn't, you know, kind of a lock. But I think it was kind of one of the things in his favor on his resume that made him really appealing to the ownership and to, and to um, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the general manager. I think that knowing that the Vikings have, you know, a window where Kirk Cousins is on under this particular contract, knowing that they've got, you know, Justin Jefferson for however long they have him, depending on whether or not he signs a second contract, knowing that Adam Thielen is getting a little bit older in age, they know that they've got uh, a specific window to maximize what that offers offenses. They know what offense is taking the league by storm right now. And they saw an opportunity to kind of combine those things along with somebody that they think has, you know, good instincts for being a head coach, you know, the ability to delegate, choose a staff, collaborate and those things. And so I think all of that together, but in particular, that kind of offensive piece was, um, you know, kind of the deciding factor in, in moving forward with O'Connell. Sticking with offense for a minute, I heard somebody the other day saying that they felt that the Dolphins had the deepest uh, uh, group of running backs in, in the NFL. Um, and I think they're maybe deep with, you know, slightly above average running backs. I think the Vikings have the deep, deepest uh, depth with uh, the uh, most talented depth with the, at the running back position. What, what say you? Um, I think that there's a really good case to be made for the Dolphins. I don't want to take that away from them. I think that that's a, a pretty interesting group. 
Um, I, I think given kind of the top level talent that the Vikings have with Dalvin Cook over somebody like, you know, Chase Edmonds or Sony Michelle or whoever's going to end up starting for the Dolphins, I would probably take the Vikings. But I think actually neither of them, you know, have the title. I think I would probably go uh, with the with the Cleveland Browns. I think that you know the way Jerome Ford has been playing in the preseason, what we've seen from Dernis Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. But I think a close second or third would be would be the Minnesota Vikings. I think you would take that running grip, uh, back group over a bunch of others. Yeah, you're right about Johnson. Uh, you know, he well, he was the number three and filled in and looked like a number one. Uh, I think it was on Monday Night Football last year, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's been he's been impressive in every opportunity he's been given. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, okay, let's shift over to the defensive side for a second. They uh, obviously invested. They being the Vikings invested uh, their first two draft picks on their secondary. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Lewis and Andrew Booth and. Uh, what what are your thoughts about them? How are they performing thus far? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, typically when you get a first-round pick and a second-round pick that a lot of people say is, you know, from a talent-wise a first-rounder, you want to see them play right away. You want to see them succeed right away. And I, I don't think we're going to get necessarily that from them. Um, one, because of the talent that they have at safety. Cameron Bynum, I think, right now is expected to start above Lewisine at safety. Cameron Dancer, another Cameron, is expected to start at cornerback above Andrew Booth. Both of them have been doing extremely well in camp. Both have had um, some really good performances in the regular season. So, you know, there's a history behind why they would start. Um, but, you know, they've had their fair share of impressive plays. I just think both of them um, really need to learn how to play a little bit faster. Both of them were excellent at that in college, so I, I don't have any worries there. But, you know, they haven't necessarily picked up the defense and have played completely instinctively. They're still kind of thinking through what the process is, and there's only so much time on a football field to do that. So uh, really impressive players, super athletic, very willing to kind of mix it up when it comes to physicality. And I think the Vikings are looking for that. I think long-term, both of them um, look like they are good investments. But for right now, you know, I don't think we're going to see a ton of them. I know that they're going to rotate Lewisine in in three safety sets, maybe even four safety sets um, during the regular season. So we'll see a heavy rotation of him. But as a starter, you know, I don't think we're going to see either of them, but it does give the Vikings a lot more depth in the secondary than they've had in a long time. We just had your colleague on from the Athletic over in Tampa there, Greg Amon, and he said that he felt when handicapping their division that they were a uh, you know two games ahead of the Saints in terms of a one-two punch in that division. Uh, as we're looking at the NFC North here, you know, the Bears are the Bears. It seems like there's a little bit more hype this year about the Lions. I'm not sure if that's more uh, because of the, the, the media coverage that's uh, enhanced for this upcoming season, of course. Um, uh, the Packers have obviously lost their all-worldwide receiver, but they're the team to beat. Where do you think the Vikings kind of stack up in this division? And if we were to kind of use Greg's terms for a moment in terms of, you know, are they, you know, within a game, two games of the Packers? Or do you think they have enough talent to win the division? Where do you think they stack up in that division? Yeah, I think that there's, you know, if if you run the division, you know, a number of times, I'm, I'm certain that the Vikings will come out on top, a couple of them. But most of the time, I would say the Packers should still be the favorite to, to win the division. I think that when you've got, you know, a quarterback that's in contention to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time, still playing at a really high level, um, you kind of default to that. You know, I know the Packers have a bunch of individually great defensive players, and I expect at some point in the near future they'll be able to turn that into a cohesive defense because that's a lot of really good, talented players. And actually, that receiver group, I 
still think that they need a dominant number one. I don't know if they've drafted that guy with Christian Watson or Romeo Dubs, but they have a bunch of really great number twos um, in, you know, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and then, of course, the guys that they drafted, um, that I think that Rodgers will figure out a way to make it work. So I think that the team to beat, um, certainly I think the Vikings are better than the Lions and the Bears. They can't, you know, rely on that. They did lose to the Lions once last year. Um, but like you said, I think that a lot of the media attention about the Detroit Lions, in part because of hard knocks and in part because of how likable their head coach is, you know, kind of gives people a little bit more of a um, a willingness to, to add a couple of wins in their prediction total for the Lions. But ultimately, you know, they don't have the quarterback to get it done. I really like what they've done on the offensive and defensive line. Um, might be the best group of, of, of linemen in the division, but that's just not going to be enough in the modern NFL to just completely win football games. So I think until proven otherwise, I think the Vikings are comfortably ahead of the Bears and the Lions. And then to use uh, Greg, which, you know, you got, you got the better member of the athletic uh, on the show before me. Um, I, I think they're within probably two games. <laughs> I think they're within two games of, of the Packers, but um, certainly um, I, I think the Packers should remain the favorite until, you know, we see some evidence to the uh, contrary. Well, I think that would satisfy. We've got a few uh, Minnesota Vikings listeners. Uh, I think that would actually, you know, be uh, satisfactory to some if, if uh, they would be within a game or two. Uh, before we, I, I kind of moved from the individuals to the team. I kind of want to go back to an individual for a quick second. You know, I think if, uh, if, we get 16 games out of Hunter, um, you know, he's only 27 years old, accomplished so much in the league so far. I think we probably get back to that 14, 15 sack total type of player. Uh, just, just a few thoughts on, on his health and, uh, and uh, how, why well, I said 16, I guess it's 17 now. Um, do you think uh, <laughs> that he's got a full season ahead of him here health wise? Yeah, I think so. You know, kind of watching him move around in camp, it certainly doesn't look like he's restricted in any way. It looks like he was the player, that he is the player that he was. Uh, and, you know, you have to remember, he was the youngest player to get to 50 sacks in NFL history. I mean, that's, that's, he's still that player. You know, whether or not he's going to be healthy, that's obviously an unknown, but I did some research into the two types of injuries he sustained, one, the pectoral tear last year, and two, um, the, the cervical or the herniated disc uh, in, in his neck. Um, and I looked into that, and I looked at in, injury reincidence rates, and it looked actually really positive for, for him. I think it, it seems unlikely based off of the research that we have of NFL players that this is something that's going to impede him or increase the risk of re-injury going forward. Um, and so while he was unlucky to, to miss a year and a half of football over the past two years, um, he's lucky that the types of injuries he sustained don't seem to be injuries that you know match themselves again and again and again uh, onto his body. And so I, I think that we're probably going to get you know at least you know 14 games from him. Who knows what random injuries will pop up and hope Hopefully 17, uh, and that'll put him on pace to be another 15 sack player. See, that is exactly why we have you on here. You do the research and you deliver, man. Good stuff, man. Hey, I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on with us. It's it's arguable where you stack up within the uh, the athletic family, but you're definitely number one in terms of humility and effort level, man. So always appreciate having you on, my friend. And I hope we could bring you on. Uh, I hope that the Vikings give us reason to have you come back on, uh, you know, some at some point during the course of the season. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. It's always fun being on the show. Hey, give us a, a, a quick uh, social media handle. How can uh, our listeners follow you? And uh, maybe if you want to give a quick plug to The Athletic. I know uh, Greg quickly rattled off that there's some deals that are out there. I am a subscriber. I always let listeners know that this is a, a product that I do believe in. 
but uh, I guess a final word on uh, social media and uh, the athletic subscription. Yeah, sure. If your listeners like what, what they heard from me or from Greg, which, you know, hopefully that they do. Um, Greg's right. There's a $1 a month deal right now over at The Athletic. You can just go over to theathletic.com um, and, and sign up directly to the website, click through an author or a team that you're interested in, and sign up through there. That way they'll get credit. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at NFL. It's A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N-N-F-L. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully you, know, you kind of enjoy what you see on the Twitter feed and what you see The Athletic. We've got basically every team in, in all of the major leagues, plus um, – um, some of the other minor uh, leagues that don't get as much coverage outside of the national conversation. So um, if you're interested in any team, not just the teams that you listen to from us, um, you'll be able to find some coverage over at The Athletic. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Arif. Hope to connect with you a little, little bit later on during the season. Good luck to you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. That is Arif Hassan with The Athletic. Minnesota covers all things football. All Things Vikings does a fantastic job in doing so. And, uh, you know, anytime that we bring guests on, it's going to be because not only do we think they're quality uh, writers, beat writers, insiders, et cetera, but good people as well. And uh, they're always going to come from a product. Uh, if I plug it, it's because I, I genuinely believe in it. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We're going to come back next week with more NFL insiders. That's all the time that we've got. We'll come back next week with some predictions, with some insiders, and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.